The reading is from Genesis chapter 5, verses 18 to 24. When Jared had lived 162 years, he became the father of Enoch. After he became the father of Enoch, Jared lived 800 years and had other sons and daughters. Altogether, Jared lived a total of 962 years, and then he died. When Enoch had lived 65 years, he became the father of Methuselah. After he became the father of Methuselah, Enoch walked faithfully with God 300 years and had other sons and daughters. Altogether, Enoch lived a total of 365 years. Enoch walked faithfully with God, then he was no more, because God took him away. Second reading is from Hebrews 11, verse 5 and 6. By faith, Enoch was taken from this life so that he did not experience death. He could not be found because God had taken him away. For before he was taken, he was commended as one who pleased God. And without faith, it is impossible to please God because anyone who comes to him must believe that he exists and that he rewards those who earnestly seek him. And invite Philip. God's word, but I'd like to pray for him before he does that. Technology works. Father God, I just want to bring Philip before you, Father, and ask that you would anoint him afresh to bring your word to us. And Father, I pray that it will both encourage us and challenge us so that we will not leave this place the same as we came in. Bless him, Father, in Jesus' name. Amen. I'll just put the little dingle dangle over here. Probably should have put it on this. No, just leave it. Good. So, hello, everyone. On a lovely autumn day like this, who, would, who likes a walk? Yeah? Yeah. You like to walk on your own, or would you like to walk also maybe with a friend or a relative? Yeah? Would that be nice? Yeah. What, what do you, why do you enjoy it? Come on, tell me a few things why it's nice to go for a walk with a friend or a relative or someone you want to get to know. Tell me. Fresh air, yeah. Scenery. Tunbridge Wells, yes, yeah. Yeah. Anyone else? The countryside. Don't forget you're with somebody as well. What about that? Eh? Yeah. Sorry, chatting with your friend. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, so I, I think you're, you know, we've got some good ideas there. I think what I'll think of a few things that, firstly, it's active, it's doing something, isn't it? It's not just sitting there watching TV or whatever. It's purposeful doing for a walk. And as we said, we can enjoy together lovely, create, lovely God's creation. And what's a walk? Is a walk always flat? Answer no. It goes up and down, doesn't it? And sometimes it might go through some mud, but it's still fun, uh, hopefully. 
and we can be going somewhere interesting. But I think the, the most important thing, if we're walking with a friend or a relative or another, another person, is that you can build up the relationship that you have, that we can share what we see. We can say, wow, look at that. Have you seen that? Look at this over here. We can talk about things of interest that we share and uh, talk about our feelings. We can laugh and talk and listen, share. And we can focus on our companion as well as on the nature or whatever we're seeing to get to know them better. And maybe when we're talking, we might come into things that are causing difficulty or sadness for one of us. We can comfort one another as well. Maybe we can even pray for each other. So yeah, our family, Ellie will remember, had some great long walks uh, when the ch children were teenagers, and they were generally really great bonding experiences. However, I do have to acknowledge one difficult day that Ellie will remember, when the heavens opened for us on the moors, we were walking in the Yorkshire Dales from Kirkby Stephen to Halls, and it's quite a long way, and basically we had to plow through mud for several hours, completely soaked, and there were some comments at dinner in the youth hostel. I don't remember whether this was Kenrick or Ellie, but one comment that we've got it on video as well. One comment was, I was hoping to break my leg so I wouldn't have to continue this walk. <laughs> and also, I was hoping to catch flu so I could go home. So yeah, walks are not always tranquil, but they can be character building. They can be character building. So yeah, what about Enoch? We've just heard two wonderful passages talking about him, but the Bible is not telling us a lot about Enoch. What we do know, one thing is that he was the seventh generation from Adam. Seven is often the, uh, uh, a number that's regarded as holy or special in Scripture. And he is in what we call the line of Seth. So yeah, we talked last week, Dan told us about Cain and Abel and the dreadful things that happened when Cain killed Abel. And the scripture tells us that Adam and Eve had another son called Seth. And Seth has a line following him uh, that included Enoch. It's in Genesis chapter 5, the bit we've heard. And when we look in Luke, what do we see there? We see the genealogy of Jesus going right back to Adam, right? And in that genealogy with Adam at one end and Jesus at the other, there's our friend Enoch. This is the line of Seth that came to our Lord Jesus Christ. And there's a contrast in Genesis between that line and the line of Cain. Genesis 4 tells us about the line of Cain that really most of them were not very good characters, we see, especially Lamech, who's the seventh after Cain, after uh, Adam through Cain, who went round uh, doing dreadful things. So yeah, Enoch is on the blessed line, Cain on the wicked line, uh, Lamech rather on the wicked line at the same point, number seven. So Enoch was taken by God, is what we've heard from both passages to be with him, avoiding death. And in the scripture, that only ever happened to two people, as far as I can see. And one is Elijah. We heard about how Elijah was taken up in a chariot, right? 
up to heaven before he died. And of course, our Lord Jesus Christ at the ascension rose to God from his post-resurrection life. So yeah, Enoch, we heard, has pleased God for his faith. He believed that God exists, and he sought him. He was a, just one last thing, he was a prophet. According to the book of Jude, he's mentioned in the New Testament, in the book of Jude, and he says that he, pre- he prophesied with a focus on the day of judgment and the fate of those who are not reconciled to God by their wickedness. But yeah, we, we know that. But most of all, and what I'm going to focus on today, is that it says Enoch walked faithfully with God. Enoch walked faithfully with God. In the Genesis, and I I think also in the Hebrews it says that. I need to check. But in the Genesis it said twice that he walked with God. And when we look at the Old Testament, there are a few times when that is repeated. For Noah, for instance, Noah, it's written was a righteous man, blameless among the people of his time, and he walked faithfully with God, Genesis 6, 9. Abraham, it says, when Abraham, that was his earlier name, was 99 years old, the Lord appeared to him and said, I am God Almighty, walk before me and be blameless. That's from Genesis 17. So what I'm going to do now is I'm going to talk about some of the blessings that Scripture identifies when we walk with God, like Enoch did. But before we start, I just want want us to remember who it is we're talking about. I've told you some funny stories about my family when we walk with our friend or our spouse or teenage children. That's one thing. Who are we talking about here? We're talking about the Holy God. We're talking about the creator of the universe to whom reverence and awe and praise are due. We're talking about walking with him. So let's just pause and reflect on that before we proceed. Yeah, so scripture tells us about a number of blessings when we walk with God. So one thing is that God is calls us, God is calling us as he walks. Jesus did that when he walked along the shore and he found his disciples, right? It's in all the gospels. Mark 1, 16 says, as Jesus walked beside the Sea of Galilee, he saw Simon and his brother Andrew casting a net into the lake for they were fishermen. Come follow me, he said, and I will make you fishers of people. And at that, they left their nets and followed him. So yeah, God is calling us in the same way to walk with him. He did that for me, I I realize now, through listening to preaching, reading the scripture. He drew me to himself when I wasn't a follower of him. That's We're talking in the mid-90s here. And finally, he came to me in bright light at a time of severe sickness and spiritual attack. I came to hear his call. And if you're not a follower of Jesus today, I just ask, is he calling you? Follow his call, and the blessings we're going to talk about can be yours as well. So God calls us. What does he call us to do as we walk with him? One thing is that he guides us as we walk with him. It's in Psalm 23. It says, he guides me along the right paths, 
for his name's sake. We walk with God, he guides us. He isn't guiding us to benefit himself, he wants to offer guidance for our benefit, for our blessing, and also so that others can see and glorify him for it. And looking back through the path of your life, I think it's worth thinking about that, how God has guided you to a position where you now can be called yourself a follower of the Lord Jesus Christ. I look back and see that God directed me. We, it was in Germany I became a Christian, right? He directed me to a secondment from the Bank of England to Germany where I was destined to become a follower of Jesus. It was all laid out and guided. So yeah, God guides us. God teaches us is the next point I want to make as we walk with him. And what we can think about here is the disciples. Remember what happened after the crucifixion? There were a couple of guys, we think. I think there were two of them walking along the road to Emmaus, yeah? To the village of Emmaus after the crucifixion. And what was written, as they talked and discussed these things with each other, Jesus came up and walked along with them. But they were kept from recognizing him goes on, he said to them, how foolish you are and how slow to believe all the prophets have spoken. Did not the Messiah have to suffer these things and enter his glory? And beginning with Moses and all the prophets, he explained to them what was said in the scripture concerning himself. So yeah, when we walk with God, reflecting on the scripture, we learn more deeply and understand the truth of what his word is telling us. He guides and teaches us, he accompanies us, is the third blessing that I see in the scripture when we're in danger. And here again we can come back to Psalm 23, where it is written, even though I walk through the darkest valley, I will fear no evil, for you are with me, your rod and your staff, they comfort me. Amen? His presence in the darkest times provides us with comfort. He provides us with peace, he provides us with courage, even when life is most challenging to ourselves or to those we care for, and even when death is nigh. It's very well known, but I'm gonna repeat it all the same, about the footprints in the sand. Who, who knows about the footprints in the sand? Well, I'm gonna tell you about it again, briefly. Footprints in the sand, there are two prints in the sand as God and the speaker, the person who's telling the story, walked along the beach or the desert. And at other times, there's just one. And the speaker says, God, did you leave me? And the answer is no. God didn't leave him. He carried them at a time of difficulty. God accompanies us as well as guiding and teaching us. And indeed, sometimes God may go further. He may actually protect our lives as we walk faithfully with him. And here I think of the three Israelites, tell me their names, in the fiery furnace in Daniel. What are their names? Jadrach, Shach, and Abednego. That's right, that's right. And why were they in the furnace? Because they wouldn't bow down to this idol, to the king. And what happened? They survived certain death. In the morning, the king came and looked, and the furniture was opened, and he said this, it's in Daniel 3, look, I see four men, we counted three, didn't we? I see four men walking around in the fire, 
unbound and unharmed, and the fourth looks like a son of the gods. We may, know, we may think it could have been an angel, but I believe that this was Jesus himself prior to his incarnation who came to save them. He walked with them in the fire. God protects us as we walk with him. Amen? Amen. And I want to recall something I'm not particularly proud of, an accident that I had in a car early 2000s, I think. You remember Castle Hill before the uh, dual carriageway? It was a rotten road, wasn't it? You queued up and then after a while you crawled up. This was one evening when it was relatively clear and I was probably going faster than I should have done. I hit the curb on the left-hand side and I went across the road and collided with three cars going in the opposite direction. But I called on God to save me and I felt his presence as I careered around. And the miracle was, not only myself, but the other three drivers were totally unscathed. It was a bit of dented metal, the insurance dealt with it, but everyone was unscathed. I'm not saying I'm special, I'm just telling you that through my experience, some of these things can occur. So yeah, God guides, teaches, accompanies, protects. God keeps us is another thing that we learn from the story of Enoch after we walk together. What does it say? It says, Enoch was taken from this life, so he did not experience death. He could not be found because God had taken him away. That's what we heard from the book of Hebrews. Unlike Enoch, we can expect to die, but God has promised to keep us safe for eternity. Psalm 49, 15 says, But God will redeem me from the realm of the dead. He will surely take him, me to himself. God gives us the assurance of eternal life after we walk with him. More from that later. Walking with God, though, can also be a challenge to us. We've talked about guidance, teaching, accompanying, protecting, keeping. But he can challenge us as well. He wants us to follow his way. He doesn't want us to follow the way of selfishness, sin, evil. And here I mentioned Micah 6.8, a very famous verse where it says this. He has shown you, O mortal, what is good. And what does the Lord require of you? He requires you to act justly, love mercy, walk, walk humbly with your God. Walk humbly with your God. Amen? We're challenged as we walk with God, to do his will, to love our neighbours as we do ourselves, to be just and merciful at all times. And when we do walk in that way, we can show the world his goodness and help others to come and seek and believe in him. And this is, sometimes annoys me, but I go along with it. I find God frequently challenges me to donate when there's a catastrophe or causes that are clearly on his heart. And he doesn't just tell me, give some money. He says, you're going to give this amount. And I say, oh, all right then. So yeah, God can challenge us. And of course, walking with a holy God, we are convicted of things that we may do that displease him. Remember, the Holy Spirit convicts the world concerning sin and righteousness and judgment. That's in John 16. 
And when we walk with God, we also walk by the Spirit. So we will not gratify the desires of the flesh. That's from Galatians 5. The Holy Spirit living within us calls us to repent and return to God's ways as we walk with him. One more point on the blessings I mentioned earlier. Walks with the family weren't always harmonious. Scripture tells us this. It says God doesn't really mind if we argue with him or even if we get angry with him in the context of walking together. Look at the Psalms to see some examples there. David writes this. How long, Lord, will you forget me forever? How long will you hide your face from me? Look on me and answer, Lord my God. That's in Psalm 13. He's getting annoyed because he thinks God is not as present as he would like. Elsewhere, he talks this about his enemies. He says, may the table set before them become a snare. May it become retribution and a trap. May their eyes be darkened so they cannot see and their backs be bent forever. That's from Psalm 69. But yet, he leaves God, on the other hand, to avenge himself. He ends up praising God. And here's the point. You can talk to God with whatever's on your heart. You can let go. Let off steam to him. He would love to know, to hear from you. What's on your heart? It follows on from what we heard earlier. God just doesn't want to be ignored. He loves to hear from us, even if, you know, these things are not difficult. God can handle it. Amen? God can handle it if we argue or are angry. But he shows us in the end what the best way is. So, yeah, these are some blessings that we can have when we walk. And I just want to mention one point here, that God's pace is slow. So, yeah, this is another point that is important about walking. God doesn't rush things, right? What does it say in 2 Peter? It says, do not forget this, dear friends. With the Lord, a day is like a thousand years, and a thousand years are like a day. The Lord is not slow in keeping his promise, as some understand slowness. Instead, he's patient with you, not wanting anyone to perish, but everyone to come to repentance. We can see lots of examples of God's slowness at a walking pace in the scripture. Like the poor old Israelites spent 40 years in the desert in order to realize that, quoting Deuteronomy 8, man does not live by bread alone, but on every word that comes from the mouth of God. The Canaanites, when Abraham left and we had all the Exodus and we had Moses, they came, the Israelites came back to the promised land, but God said, I'm giving the Canaanites 400 years or a long time to, to, for them to repent from their wickedness. And yes, it took many generations, of course. We talked about the genealogy of Jesus, right? There's Adam at one hand and Jesus at the other. That's quite a lot of generations, isn't it? All those generations before God chose to send Jesus to show the way of salvation that he promised at the time of Genesis 3. He promised to put enmity between you, that's the serpent, Satan, and the woman, and between your offspring and hers. He will crush your head, and you will strike his heel. That's how Jesus defeated Satan on the cross. God's promises, too, may come at a walking pace, and we have to bear that in mind when we're praying, and we feel like we're praying in vain for a personal situation. God 
has his own pace, which is the pace of walking. Amen? So yeah, these blessings that we've talked about, blessings of walking together, if we look at scripture, we see that God sought them right from the beginning, right from creation. Jan, Adam and Eve transgressed, didn't they? They ate the fruit that they weren't supposed to. But what it says then in Genesis 3, the man and the wife, his wife heard the sound of the Lord God as he was walking in the garden in the cool of the day. And they hid from the Lord God among the trees of the garden. Amen? Amen. They hid from the Lord God. But the Lord called to the man, where are you? God walked with our forebears before this happened in a perfect relation of love until their sin spoilt that relation, cutting themselves off by their own choice from God who is the source of life. Why else do we hear again and again at the start of Genesis, and then he died, and then he died, and then he died, because they had cut themselves off from God, the source of life. As he called to them, he's calling to us today, all of us. Even if you don't follow God, follow Jesus today, he's calling you as well. He's saying, don't hide. Where are you? Come to me. Come to me. We've got to remember that humanity, as Genesis tells us, was made, is made in God's image. God himself is a relational being. He loves to be with others. We have the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit together in, throughout eternity in a wonderful, loving relationship. As, our, as made in God's image, it's natural God would seek our companionship too. He promised that to the Israelites in the desert when he gave them the law. He said, if you follow my decrees and are careful to obey my commands, I will walk among you and be your God. You will be my people. Leviticus 26. So yeah, we've seen then, friends, that walking together is fun. It benefits us when we take time with friends and relatives. But how much more than that are we blessed when we walk with God? So many blessings when we respond to his call to walk with him. And it comes back too to what we were hearing earlier, that God doesn't just want the occasional wish list. He wants to be with us all the time. He wants to walk with us, to accompany us as we go right through our day. And he wants to give us his guidance, his teaching, his company, his protection, his assurance for eternity. But also he wants to challenge us. He wants to convict us of sin. He doesn't mind if we let off steam. So yeah, here's the question. Is all this possible for us? Would the Creator, the Lord of the universe, who deserves to be feared, honored, worshipped, walk with us? I hope so. But here's how we might mess it up. God gives us a choice in all things. He never imposes his presence upon us if we choose to follow a different, darker path. Paul reminds us in Ephesians 2, we can walk with Satan if we choose to do so. He mentions you used to live when you, the way you used to live when you followed the ways of the world and the ruler of the kingdom of the air, the spirit who is now at work in those who are disobedient. That's your choice. That's everyone's choice. All of humanity have that choice. Walk with God or walk with Satan. 
And Psalm 1 praises the one who walks in God's way, but acknowledges the way of the wicked is also possible. It's written at the start of the Psalms, Blessed is the one who does not walk in step with the wicked, stand in the way that sinners take, or sit in the company of mockers, but whose delight is in the law of the Lord, meditates on the Lord day and night. Walking in step with the wicked is another possibility for us all. But why is it possible? Again, the point is that God is within reach. God is within reach to everyone, even if you're hiding from him, even if you don't follow him, even if you transiently talk to him. He's there within reach. And listen carefully to this passage, even if, especially if you're not following Jesus today. This is from Paul's address to the Athenians. I think it's my favorite passage in the whole of Scripture. Paul says, from one man he made all the nations so that they should inhabit the whole earth. He marked out their appointed times in history and the boundaries of their land. God did this so that they would seek him and perhaps reach out for him and find him, though he is not far from any one of us. God is waiting patiently to walk with all of us if we choose to seek and reach him, reach out to him. We need faith, though, to find him. The start of Hebrews 11 that Dan told us last week. Now faith is confidence in what we hope for and assurance about what we do not see. Enoch had that sort of faith. It says, without faith, it's impossible to please God because anyone who comes to him must believe that he exists and that he rewards those who earnestly seek him. So yeah, even if you're far from him today, you can have Enoch's faith, and you can walk with God, even if you're far from him. I told you earlier and reminded you that this is a holy God. He's our friend, but he's transcendent. He's the creator of the universe. He's a holy God. So another question we might ask is, well, how can we walk with God if we know that we do wrong from time to time? And I think that there's a good answer to this because Enoch, Enoch wasn't without sin either. It doesn't tell us that Enoch sinned. But I think scripture suggests not. We heard that Noah and Abraham walked faithfully with God, but what did Noah do? He got drunk and exposed himself. What did Abraham do? He told uh, the rulers that his wife was his sister and put her in danger to save his skin. Paul puts it this way. All have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. Amen? Amen? Romans 3. But when we walk with God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, we can become aware of our sin, and we can repent and turn from our wicked ways. And I'm sure Enoch needed to do that from time to time, as we do. The answer is this. Faith in Jesus' death on the cross. Faith in Jesus' death on the cross is the bridge that takes us from hiding from God Amen. to walking with him. The bridge that takes us from hiding from God to walking with him. And friends, I'm asking you, are you hiding from God today? He's calling you. He's calling you. But Paul goes on to write this wonderful passage. All are justified freely by his grace through the redemption that came by Christ Jesus. God presented Christ as a sacrifice of atonement through the shedding of his blood 
to be received by faith, Romans 3, 24 to 25. When we accept Jesus as our Savior and Lord, when we put our faith in his sacrifice on the cross, we can walk with the Holy God despite our transgressions, no longer hiding from God, the source of life. A question maybe in your heart is whether Enoch, who lived before Jesus, was able to do this. We can put our faith in Jesus because we are living after the cross. Enoch, Abraham, Moses, and all these other guys lived before them. But Hebrews, as I'm sure will come up in a later sermon, they were commended for their faith, it says, but none of them received what they had promised, what had been promised, i.e. Jesus' life, death, and resurrection. Since God had planned something better for us, so that only together with us would they be made perfect. The Hebrews is telling us that Enoch is fulfilled and, and uh, redeemed. The promises of, that come in Jesus Christ is now complete in the ones who were faithful followers walking with God before Jesus. Coming to a close, I just want to talk a little bit more, though, about walking pace. I think... An important point is that if we want to walk with God, we need to slow down our lives too to walk with God. We need to make time for him. The Japanese theologian Kazuki Kiyama talks about a three-mile-an-hour God, which is walking pace, and he says that is God's approach to humanity because that's the average speed that we all walk at. Jesus walked at three miles an hour, right? Until he came to a full stop on the cross as his love was fully revealed. Kayama says this, he says, God walks slowly because he is love. If he's not love, he would have gone much faster. Love has its speed. It is an inner speed, a spiritual speed. It's a different kind of speed from the technological speed to which we're accompanied. It's slow but it's the Lord over all other speeds because it is the speed of love. It goes on in the depth of our lives whether we notice it or not, whether we're currently hit by a storm or not, at three miles an hour. It's the speed we walk and therefore it is the speed the love of God walks. We need to slow down to walk with God, but it is possible. We must trust our hearts even when we don't feel that God is nearby. And we can remember here again what the disciples on the Emmaus Road realized. They recognized Jesus, didn't they, when he broke the bread and then he disappeared from their sight. But what did they say? Our hearts knew, their hearts knew better than their eyes. They said, were not our hearts burning within us while he talked with us on the road and opened the scripture to us? Our, God, our hearts are going to tell us of God's presence as we walk with him, as he walks with us at three miles an hour, the speed of love. Amen. 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 To conclude, like Enoch, when we believe in God and earnestly seek him, when we accept Jesus as our Savior and Lord and repent of our sins, we will please God and walk, can walk with him. We can develop the deep relationship of love God's always sought for humanity, made in his image. And as we walk with him, listen, we listen to his call. He's going to guide and teach and accompany, protect, challenge and co convict, listen to our troubles and keep us safe 
in eternity of the new heaven and new earth. Are you hiding, friends, from God today as he walks in the garden and calls to you? Choose life and follow Jesus. Did he not say, for God so loved the world he gave his only son, that whoever believes in him shall not perish but have eternal life? Or Psalm 73, you guide me with your counsel and afterwards you will take me into glory. Let us go on today and walk with the Lord.